this is PBF podcast number 36. This morning on PBF Public Radio, I have Butterbar and Lucky joining me once again. Yes, what up, sir. What up? Yes, sir. So, um, we've been going over a few different topics to discuss here. I think the uh, Lancaster what's going on over in Lancaster may be good to start out with. Um, we've got a few different talking points uh, to discuss as it relates to this. Um, one of the interesting pieces that uh, um, we all shared here, and I think this is pretty indicative, is that the Lancaster, this comes from PJ Media, Lancaster riots prove nationwide unrest isn't about police brutality. And I think, you know, guys, before I even read from the article here, I think this is something that we recognized early on. I mean, to me, this was pretty obvious back in May or June before everybody changed, you know, their social media to a black square. And then all of the, can you imagine being a corporation back in June trying to figure out which um, new corporate logo you had to go with between the, uh, LGBTQRSTUV um, and uh, the BLM movement. That must have been just horrible for all those, um, you know, marketing individuals. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> it depends on how woke you want to go, man. I mean, that's just that's how it is. You're gonna include a black stripe in the the gay pride flag. It's not even gay pride. There's anymore, a- dude. It's just alphabet people pride i guess i don't know <laughs> well it well it, it they added the black as well as the brown they did they did put brown oh. in there as well i saw on they ever, uh... a, uh, a pretty slick uh antifa rainbow flag with a trans flag and a black fist on the inside uh and i was like wow they are really just sending it out here they're they're just trying to combine everything together right how much did that shirt cost you Uh, i I would wear it though but again i'm the same type of dude who like wears michael vick jerseys while walking dogs you know that's just me (laughs) all right to the article here um there is a gigantic deadly game of let's pretend going on in america politicians the media and activists are all pretending that the violence the arsons the beatings and the mayhem in our city streets actually have a purpose. <laughs> they pretend that the mostly mostly peaceful protest again. Let's 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 talk about that real quick. Only seven percent of them had violence. So, do you think that a serial killer is killing nonstop? Nah, I, I would bet that they kill even less than seven percent of their life. You know, that it, it just I I. I Seeing people say, well, there's only 7% of the time there was violence, guys. I mean, we shut down the country for disease with less than 1% violence. So you know. <laughs> 1% death, yeah. The yeah. Uh, According That's to CTZ, uh, 0.26. <laughs> That's of, almost uh, comparable to... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Decelerate Your Life, one of my favorite pages on Insta, pointed out that... Uh, being stationed at Fort Hood has a higher death rate than having COVID nineteen. <laughs> no joke. Dude. Well, it's like that. It's like that perception that people get of you'll hear it from the woke leftists and stuff like that. That military members are baby killers when it's like less than one percent that actually see combat. And even in the infantry, like the majority of my enlistment, you know what I was doing? I probably spent more time picking up cigarette butts than I did in combat, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I could probably boil down my his, history of firefights into probably like three days out of, out of my entire life. That's like, what the hell, dude? But whatever. It's just funny to me. So let me go on here back to the article. They pretend that the mostly peaceful protests are only being made violent by the mere presence of police officers. The media pretends that the rioters are enraged or fed up with oppression and systemic racism so that the chaos and thuggery is a completely normal response to the problem. Do they really believe that the riots are all about poor, drug-addled George Floyd? Do they really think all police are racist and out to kill all black people? 
do they really think the rioters give a hoot about systemic racism? So I think that's interesting kind of ideas here. I would say that with the flash mobs of NPCs that, yes, because I don't think that those people are capable of forming their opinion about what's going on. I think they go along with the crowd and they've been programmed, you know, much to the what lucky you and I talked about in what was it four and five in the podcast, you know, right. Useful idiots. Oh, totally. And, and it's, it's interesting too, as well. Um, well, let, let me go back to the article here. Cause there's another piece too. I want to talk about let's, let's talk about one of the useful idiots and it, it's something that we're seeing quite common here. Um, and if they can stick it, to Donald Trump while doing it, that's a bonus. The mayor of Lancaster, Deneen Soros, whose small city was wracked by violence on Sunday morning because officers were forced to shoot a mentally ill man running towards them with a knife over his head, is a prime example of the let's pretend crowd. While the vast majority of the protests have been peaceful, peaceful, last night's events took a turn towards considerable damage. I want to be clear, there is no place in our community. Peaceful protest must prevail. She's pretending the rioters care whether or not they have a place in the community. The rioters couldn't care less. The only thing they would care about is if her honor flooded the street with police and riot gear arresting the, those who commit acts of mayhem. That's not likely. Not when the mayor attributes the riots to a lack of affordable housing. This isn't just about police. It's about a fact that a third, or more likely half, depending on how you measure it, of our city lives below the poverty line. It's about a third of jobs in our county being so low wage that no hardworking person holding one of them down can make it work. It's about half of the renters in the city, thousands of households, burdened by the cost of housing, blah, blah, blah. It's just the typical leftist mantra type shit that you're hearing from the people in the squad that she's echoing and and these people are not they they lack agency so and and of course I, i'm sure everybody there was from lancaster right these these people weren't bust in or flown in or however they got there even though arrest records are showing something different to that i mean they could have come in on horse and buggy this is what <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> So you're saying the Amish, the Amish are out there about the systemic racism, finally taking a stand. I think if they started fucking with the Amish people, to be frank, this would be over before we even heard about it on the news. Because those people are some hardworking MFs. Like they will be, they are roofers. They are uh, very highly. Uh, they may be peaceful, but I personally would not want to be stuck in a dark alley with an Amish dude. The so, guy like Lucky who spends all his life making roofs yeah uh, i know i was, I was the like kind of person i want to mess with lucky do you have some amish ancestry that we don't know about um no i don't but actually i, I love the amish and mennonites uh, hard-working industrious people man um, i have a lot of mennonites where i live and i <laughs> i built a um it's uh, basically a portable kookaroo like a chicken house right and i got the plans from some amish dudes out there in pennsylvania and it's all, you know, no mechanical or nothing like that. It's just beautiful, beautiful work. But, yeah, you don't get to be that way. It hardens you up. All right, let's just put it like that. These are hardworking, industrious peoples. And best believe they know how to use weapons. So, yeah, I, of that I have no doubt that this stuff would be dispensed with very quickly. I know so I, saw them in, uh, I saw them that's in Kingpins, and yeah, that's really one of my favorite movies of all time. So that's about my interaction and knowledge of the uh, Amish or – Mennonites or whoever that is in there with, uh, what was it, Ishmael? Ishmael and uh, Woody Harrelson. What a great flick. Oh, dude, I don't know. I haven't watched that movie in 15 <laughs> years, dude. Come on. Dude, dude, Bill Murray's character in that movie was amazing. The hair when he's bowling. And, yeah. dude, that, that little yeah. that, that, that uh, bowling ball that he had with the rose inside of it. Oh, oh yeah. Dude, all right, all right. getting back. There, there's, <laughs> there's something I wanted to note there about uh, Lancaster and what you see out here. There's a commonality that I've personally seen in my travels, but one that I noted um, here not too long ago when I was passing through Kenosha that the overall sentiment 
was that these people are not from there. Nobody wants to see their communities destroyed that way. And Kenosha is a pretty small town. I mean, as cities go, it's pretty small. It's, you know, 100,000 people or so, give or take. And even from the, the one of the officers I talked to, yeah, he, he's overwhelming sentiment was that these people are not from here. You know, so it wouldn't surprise me that some sort of the machinations behind this is to show that it can happen in everywhere America, particularly in the Midwest. So I think you know, that gives people a sense that it's larger than it really is. So I think there's two pieces there. There are some of the people locally, like we saw in New York City, and there's an interesting piece from the post-millennial on that. But then I think coming back to the Kenosha piece, we can uh, segue back into that because there's an, another interesting piece from somebody who was on the ground there. Um, you know, it's from back in August, but I think it's it's very indicative of um, what you're saying specifically there. Right. So from the post-millennial, um, this was a piece that was put out last evening. Sorority girl accused of rioting in Lancaster has bail set at $1 million. And the picture is just, you can see the look in her eyes right here with her. How did this happen to me? Mom and dad never held me accountable. A, uh, a university student and sorority sister was among eight arrested Sunday and slapped with $1 million bails each on the first night of Black Lives Matter Antifa or Blam Tifa. Uh, protest. The 20-year-old Catherine Cat Jean Patterson of Mercersburg, Pennsylvania, was charged with felony arson, felony vandalism, felony riot, failure to disperse, obstructing highways and other public passages, disorderly conduct, and defiant trespass with additional counts of criminal conspiracy. Violence broke out. Okay, we know why the violence broke out. Um, Patterson is a junior at Franklin and Marshall College, a private liberal arts college in Lancaster, where the annual cost of attendance is over $75,000, including housing. The arrested suspect is also a Kappa Delta sorority member and an ally of campus-based Black Student Union. In an Instagram post, the BSU is crowdfunding Patterson's release through Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. It, apparently, they also uh, linked to a GoFundMe page where they talk about, because the bail's at $1 million, in that um, she's wrongfully accused of crime she could not possibly commit. You know, not that anybody witnessed this, and I'm sure it's not on video at all, right? While being wrongfully detained. Uh, interestingly enough, GoFundMe prohibits the what they're doing, so maybe they can jump in on uh, the vice presidential Harris administration uh, little Minnesota fund, and maybe they can get some money raised from Hollywood for her. But it's just so interesting. So to Lucky's point, um, there are those locals who are happy to respond, um, especially those that go to schools that only cost $75,000 a year to attend. <laughs> Man. Dude, dude, you're not getting me to pay $75,000. Is that per semester of tuition or is that? Dude, yeah. Well, tuition? I think it's per year, per year. It's tuition per year. I know some people that went there and it is, you're paying seventy-five grand a year to live in the sticks and get indoctrinated with leftist ideologies at this podunk little no-name stupid college in the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania so if that's your bag then go ahead but clearly mom and dad don't have their preferences right when they're allowing their daughter to go off and do these types of things but again neither here nor there that's F and F so, nutshell so basically you're paying to go to the gulag re-education camp essentially on no doubt I mean, uh, mom and dad's Dime. Well, it's re-education, but I think it's more like the uh, Pol Pot going to France and studying under those communist type of re-education where then they go to the school and then they come back and they make the gulag. So this is that's prepping true. them okay. for the gulag yeah, moment. Okay, yeah. yeah that's a good point. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words here, man. That's that's. <laughs> so so let, let's yeah, jump nothing. in. To this Federalist article, too, that uh, comes from August 30th. It's from uh, Avita Duffy. Uh, think of that stupid uh, thing that 
Madonna did Evita. <laughs> but um, oh yeah, oh, don't, <laughs> don't cry don't for me, like Argentina. That, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know the whole story of Jacob Blake and how that one was weaponized, and and to the point too of Lancaster. I mean, this guy obviously is coming at the police officer. At this point, you know, I guess they want social workers that will let themselves be killed by these people because potentially they might have a mental disorder. We don't know, but in, in three seconds, you have to decide and drop your weapon and be stabbed. Um, well, yeah, there, there's that. I mean, people really don't understand how closely, like how quickly a person can close with you when holding a, a weapon. Dude, if with a knife at that distance, with a knife at that distance, it's it's much more dangerous than even a gun because it's hard. What that cop did is crazy. And on target. Oh, yeah, no. It, yeah, on target and creating space for a clean shoot, it was phenomenal. I mean, that, that was outstanding. Generally, the rule of thumb is because you're using gross motor skills in a, a situation like that anyway, is if within 25 feet, somebody has, you know, 20, 25 feet, that person can close with, with you very, very quickly you know, way more than you'd be otherwise inclined to think. 25 feet sounds like a, a lot, lot of distance in your head, but it's not at all. So what that officer did, no, that was fantastic. Great training on his part, you know. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things, dude. So anyway, the, the point of writing with respect towards that, uh, what do you, like Like you're saying, what do you think a, a social worker is going to disarm that situation or talk somebody <laughs> down? Let's assume that he does have a mental disorder, um, which is kind of part and parcel for a lot of the people that you see acting as on behalf of BLM and such. Um, almost universally, the, if you go and look through the mugshots and everything, almost all of them look like some sort of waterhead baby or drug addict <laughs> Dude. or, you know, something like that. Dude, it's they're useful idiots. Dude, or, or, yeah. or, or Google engineer and public school teacher. But, I mean, do, they, it's like the Joker in uh... – uh, the Dark Knight. Remember how he had all the mental patients? That especially when yes. when it, that's what it reminds me of. Like it's it's the diabolical Joker um, taking mental patients and weapon. Because dude, like the guy that um, ended up shooting um, the Patriot Prayer guy, and and right. he was so delusional. And especially when you looked at the interview, I don't know if you guys watched it all. And I tried to on the podcast. Um, you know, highlight some of the things, but the guy was so paranoid. He was convinced that everywhere he turned were Trump supporting people that were ready to attack him. And so he was just defending his color, uh, right, people of color, um, wherever he could. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I almost said this the last time um, I was on, but it, it's basically like Lex Luthor giving corporate sponsorship to Arkham Asylum after a release. Yeah. Because if you think about it, that's highly analogous to what happened um, during the, co the early parts of COVID there where they released all these you know, habitual regular criminals and then conveniently it's riot time. You know, it, it, Who do you think is going to be out here? There's going to be a mixture of opportunists, people who are paying the, the, the poor, the disparate, the drug addicts, the mental patients. I mean some of these people you could give a damn sour straw to and they'll go and happily set something on fire because they already wanted to do it anyway. Well, you I know, think they're so, they're, they're weaponized into righteousness, especially with this new religion. Right. And so that that even transcends the money side of it because you think you're being motivated on something righteous, the uh, hierarchy of um, rioting. And we need to come up with a new Maslow's hierarchy of, of insurgency rioting. <laughs> right. Maslow's hierarchy of needs to burn shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I found a really good take on Twitter for this is from the initial Kenosha shooting. And it's uh, the whole thing is, quote, it's Comic-Con culture for those with crippling annoy. I'm not sure. Lucky might pronounce that word right. E-N-N-U-I. Oh, on we. On we. All right. Well, I took German in college, not French. But uh, good, uh, good. <laughs> das ist gut. Finally presented with a real-life scenario they think is analogous. And that's exactly what it really comes down to. It's these people on the left who have been convinced by the news media that they're, they're part of this pious campaign against a literal fascist. He's literally Hitler. And this is the closest they can come to being a superhero by going out and 
rioting and these, uh, you know, looting and everything like that. And then even more, they're enabled by the people that say, oh, it's just the voice of the unheard and the mayors who forgive their transgressions uh, for instead saying it's the fault of the housing market and everything. And I don't doubt that there's some truth to that. I think that people are pretty upset and there is uh, complete wage stagnation in our working class. And uh, there's things that the real looting is going on in Congress. But the fact of the matter is when you go out and you riot and you burn and you destroy small businesses, you're doing nothing more than giving money, putting money basically right into the Democratic, the corporate Democrats and other corporate interests that control and loot our country on a grand scale that these riots could never even touch. So I want to... I want to I want to address something you said there. So the wage stagnation had been highest under Obama, and that was the lower tier of um, the the economic. Those people had either stagnated or even been reduced under Obama. While under Trump, this is fact here. That was where we were seeing some of the biggest increase in wages, which the commie cough now put an end to because so many people were pushed out and that's a, a an interesting kind of side note but you know incredible uh, growth no, that's what, actually, that they told us that, what's that no no that's a really good point i was reading a piece yesterday by unbiased america who crunched down all the numbers and gave all, all the data i mean that's that's something they do that i love they present all of their data openly and so yeah get a chance to pull that up um yeah, it's absolutely true. But before the commie cough, you see the greatest wage increase and all of that, particularly among minorities, mm-hmm. um, the lowest unemployment among minorities, the highest growth uh, in terms of yearly take home wages, all of that since it's been recorded lowest unemployment rate in history um, is down to 13.5% as of April 17th of this year. And prior to that was, well, I'm sorry, post comedy cough is now sitting at 14.7% unemployment, but nationwide 13.4 unemployment with growth all across the board, across all social socioeconomic groups. That's, that's fantastic, man. I mean, that's unprecedented. And I know I definitely saw it from a practical standpoint, as far as my work is concerned, because now I'm running into a lot more people who have, at least I was, who have disposable income for doing one, you know, do get a new roof put on or they want some framework done. These people are out here paying me buku bucks to do this kind of work and I'm traveling all around the country to do it. Now, so, can't do that. So, so and the thing is, with, t- um, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, just real quick, and, and to bring it back, I was watching the Democratic National Convention and during Biden's speech, he said verbatim that his plan to address COVID, which is his first priority should he get elected, national mask mandate and national shutdown in no uncertain terms until it's finished, until COVID's finished. So we're going <laughs> to any gains we've made in the last few months of this weird stop, start, shutdown, not shutdown, like open, reopen fight is going to be just completely gone by the wayside. If he can if he gets elected, we just shut the whole thing down again. So whatever gains that uh, Lucky decided his roofing business was going to get with this newfound disposable income pre-COVID, and it's not coming back anytime soon if we, you know, don't elect the right person in fall. So I know that I'm not sure those numbers too, Lucky, because I know that in January, December, that overall black unemployment was at 6.4% around that time. Right. Um, and I know that, I mean, obviously there's some varied type things and that's always the, the challenge too. I was trying to catch some of those numbers, but I mean, I think honestly, I mean, let's be, and, and I've said this before, they're intentionally using the commie cough as something to destroy the economy as much as possible, especially, you know, when you look at Michigan, California, New York, New Jersey, in Pennsylvania as well, keeping the shutdown going to keep businesses closed, to keep people in a horrible state. Why? So they can continue to scare them. Why? So that they can hopefully get votes in addition to getting people to mail in those votes five times, ten times. Vote off and vote early. Lord. Well, 
it, it, well, it essentially comes down to extortion in a lot of ways. And articles like from The Atlantic and such, they, they've made no mincing of words about it. Um, even Michelle Obama during the DNC convention, you know, vote like your life depends on it. Um, Scientific American for the first time in 175-year <laughs> history decided to endorse a presidential candidate. And they said literally the same thing that Michelle Obama said. It's a matter of life or death. Oh, well, how, to me, that how, sounds like extortion. How oh, condescending yeah. is it that Obama has the audacity to post three or four pictures on Twitter of Southern California on fire, blame the whole thing on climate change, and then say we have to vote for like our life dependence on, like you said, what, what are the people of California voting for? It's a super democratic majority state. They have a democratic house, Senate, governor. What, what do they vote for that they don't already have? What exactly is it that they're going to vote in that's going to change the current set of circumstances that they've been had for the last 30 years? Like, what difference does it make? And that's the thing that just is. Okay, Hillary. It's a little condescending. What difference does it make? (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, it's, it's, but that's what Gavin Gruesome is going out there and telling everyone. He is going out there and saying that what you see here in California is going to spread to the rest of the country. Yeah, it Except will. Canada. If 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 it will spread to the rest of the country if we follow those those BS policies they have of not cleaning out the underbrush, of not improving the electric grid, of all of these things. Yes, that will spread to the rest of the country if we follow their disastrous environmental policies, which kind are supposed to help to us Canada out. Yet too. What's that? If you look well. If you look at the map of the fires as it stands, it stops at the Canadian border. So climate change apparently isn't affecting Canada at all. Like Canada's West Coast is immune to fires. I don't know, whatever it is. But, you know, <laughs> we can't, the, the fires have decided to stop at the border. Maybe they have a wall. Maybe they have a great <laughs> glorious wall that's preventing them, the fires from getting across. I don't know. But it's like you're blaming us on climate change when literally across the border from Oregon is Canada that's not on fire. Funny how that works if it's global warming. <laughs> well, they, they did the same thing with uh, respect towards Australia as well, yeah. but they, they blame that all on global warming. But what, there's a hundred, almost 200 arson arrests out there. I think it's like 180 or some, some well, thereabouts. And then Brazil had some similar type stuff going on too. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the Amazon states, especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people were arrested regarding that. That one didn't make too much news there though. But of course it was a global issue when it was all on fire, huh? It was global warming. It Give was... us your tax dollars. Well, and it's like uh, image posted to the page yesterday, too. You know, they talk about all this global warming, and consistently there's people getting arrested for arson. And it's just, right. it, we're not supposed to talk about that, which, of course, I'm sure the social media will, will figure out a way to stop us from talking about this, which is why we have this podcast, so that we can. Well, and there's something... There's something that I really need to get out of the way here before anybody. You need calls to get this off, the, off, off, off your chest. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I could have said some really dark stuff there, but I'm not going to. Um, before anybody calls the science deniers here, let's just appreciate something. You're on a rocky planet hurtling through space. Okay, we're out in the galactic boonies. We, the planet is always changing, always. The question is, is how much does humanity? impact that change with respect towards climate anthropomorphic and this yeah well or anthrogenic absolute anthrogenic is yeah that would be the correct term but um (laughs) the absolute gall and audacity that it takes some people to suggest that we are doing irreparable damage to the planet that this my entire life okay i'm 35 every time my entire life people there's been this doomsday nonsense bandied about by you know various scientists i'm sorry scientific um, groups or whatever scientism um, who always scientism yes (laughs) the religion of science right and it's always it's like the jerry falwell approach towards science you know it's always fire and brimstone give me money fire and brimstone give me money now the question isn't whether the climate is changing the question is is how much do we impact it as you can see within the first few months of COVID, the way that LA and larger cities were shut down, it's negligible. Nature recovers. This planet is 4.7 billion years old. We, I'm pretty sure that the mechanisms here will work just fine without us, right? So 
the whole idea behind this extortionism, though, that is though I vote for one particular group of political fanatics and give them more money is going to fix what the planet is already doing on its own out here hurtling around through the cosmos is absolutely stupid. There's no other word for it. I'm not even going to try to church that one up. It's ignorant. It is stupid. You got to be an idiot not to see it. And how can you not see it when you have the damn Library of Alexandria in your pocket at all times? People just look at their phones to jerk off, you know, or, or post stupid Facebook messages. Come on now. I, I like to look. post stupid Instagram messages personally. Well, me too. I'm a big fan of that. At the end of the day, it comes down to uh, do you really want um, Exxon Valdez to be uh, drilling for oil and ruining the planet and spilling oil everywhere? Or do you want uh, Tesla to be enslaving Native Africans to mine cobalt for renewable, quote, energy uh, and ruin that part of the planet? Uh, so, but, but, but how, really, how the green often, though, energy is... Deal is the, the whole concept of green energy is a farce. And I think most of the ideas that they are saying are like, Oh yeah, batteries are gonna change the future, man. Like, I think uh, Romeo, I think you posted something or mentioned a different podcast the other day. Nuclear fuel being more renewable, and I agree with that. I think that's. I'm no expert in clean renewable fuels, but I'm also very suspect of the green energy industry as a whole. And uh, like Lucky said, I think that we have, you know, as a planet, natural uh, mechanisms to keep a balance. Um, but I don't think that, you know, giving Gavin Newsom a shit ton of money to build wind farms that are just going to slaughter birds by the millions is going to also really offset the damage that we're doing from, uh, I don't know, having a pickup truck. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of a false dichotomy you presented there, though, you know, because it's Exxon versus, you know, the, the cobalt, because realistically, many of these quote unquote environmental disasters they like to talk about as it relates to oil aren't near as impactful as they like to try to tell us they are which is part oh, of I'm that sure. control you know I'm sure and, and and i guess i just want to put that out there is because there's often lost a lot less impact than what they tell us um so let's uh, a couple things i wanted to add in closing out some of that kenosha stuff kind of coming back to that there were people in kenosha when there were the going on where there, specifically from Twitter, there's this uh, Elizabeth. She was working in a barbershop surrounded by carnage. Out-of-towners came in and rioted in our city. If you don't live here, you shouldn't be here right now. She refused to make further comments on the riots, explaining, I don't want people mad at me. And they specifically said that they were, they were afraid of the BLM people, uh, whatever. But then there was also, specifically, they outlined there's BLM organizers who refused to say where they were from. They conceded they are aware Kenosha residents don't want outsiders coming to riot, but this earth, it belongs to everybody. And they're driving around in, in vans with BLM, ACAB, and the revolution written on it. And so I think, you know, in... in this ties together with all these environmental movements. You know, these people, they hold uh, Greta Thunberg and uh, God, what is that one group that um, they dress up Elf, in red? The eco-terrorists? Oh, no, no, no. I was thinking of the, the movement that the people dress up in red and, and go around London and, um, you know, they call for people to stop having children. Um, and I know there's been some here. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um I, I can't remember their name. I was more thinking along the lines of like Earth Liberation Front. Yeah. Like well, that. well, I mean, there's that. But but Earth Liberation Front, I think, is responsible for the things that we are seeing in California now. Because you're not supposed to go into these forests. These old growth forests. Just leave it be, man. Yeah, no controlled burns, man. We're, gonna, we're not going to do a controlled burn. We're going to let an out-of-control burn do it, which is even more detrimental to the, to the woods than it would be to have a controlled one. But whatever man your call yeah well they all they, that's the thing though is is that a lot of these opportunists and extreme factions have now found a point of commonality and that's mostly just wreak as much havoc as one could possibly do I mean, it doesn't really matter 
and blame it on Trump because that's the overall <laughs> point here. Is Orange that we man can blame bad. it on Trump. Orange man bad. And that that's that's the crazy thing too. It's like they act like all this stuff, COVID, um, whatever, what have you, happens in a vacuum. It does not. All right. They they, they treat this guy like any president actually gets treated like this, like they're the damn eye of Sauron or something. Like they're this grand, all-seeing, all-knowing arbiter of, of power. And yes, it is the most powerful political office on earth. However, you have a Congress, you have a Senate. It starts with your state and local representatives. I mean, what, what, do you, what the hell do you think is happening here? I mean, like this guy sits around with a crystal ball or something, and he's just, you know, making it happen with a bunch of voodoo dolls somewhere. I mean, what, what the hell do you think is happening? <laughs> I don't well, get it, man. Well, they do. We do have that piece from um, Ocasio Cortez, how she's going to help fix the country with Biden. Did you guys check oh. that out at all? Uh, I didn't yeah, get a I chance to read it completely, no. Well, this is from Just the News. And Ocasio-Cortez assures us that we can likely push Biden in a more progressive, remember, when you hear them say progressive, everyone, that means regressive direction if he's elected. I think it's important to acknowledge that we can, in some cases, that we can have, in some cases, very large disagreements. It doesn't mean that we're trying to undermine the party or undermine each other. You know, and realizing that that whole wing of uh, th that whole wing of individuals they agreed to back biden and pass over the bernie sanders bunch because he would be progressive um here specifically i think overall we can likely push vice president in a more progressive direction i think foreign policy is an enormous area we can improve immigration is another Oh, gag me. <laughs> so uh, foreign policy, w what is it specifically? You know, we know that Trump has um, created a peace deal with Kosovo and Serbia. Um, let's see, Bahrain and the UAE have signed peace agreements uh, under his guidance. And they announced yesterday they expect Saudi Arabia to join soon. And we've heard Oman may as well. I, I, I'm curious here what these progressives corporatists are going to do you know uh, probably uh go back at, like the last progressive we had in maybe go back to some drone strikes to help fix those countries right uh, you know, that's an interesting usage of, of words there though that we can push him in any direction or push him in a direction well, of course you can. Once a man, twice a child. The guy is plainly suffering from Alzheimer's, man. I mean, the sundowning is very, very evident at this point. Of course, I can, I can make my four-year-old believe that the, the, the sky should be called Waxel. You know what I mean? I mean, that's it's borderline elderly abuse at this point. You know, but it's well, a dude, very, very curious phrasing. Dude, I mean, it, I was just so people know in the audience i've been working on hopefully getting a website finished and i was trying to find some images yesterday for the website i was digging into um, some biden images and i just went on duckduckgo and i just typed in biden it's insane if you take recent pictures of biden the look in his eyes it's a fear compared to just three years ago and if you go back 10 years i mean it's night and day obviously but he has that look and anybody who spent time around the elderly you can see this it's it's not knowing what's going on around him and the fear that that creates for the elderly that's exactly what he has often in his eyes he's confused it's it is oh, elder yeah. abuse this is elder abuse and other people are controlling this and controlling him with the goal of getting whatever the cabal is they're trying to bring in to take over from Orange Man Bad. Yeah, it's even more evident when you look at some side-by-sides of his old speeches when he was uh, vice president versus his speeches now. I mean, he was much more lucid and uh, well-spoken, whereas, I mean, he can't even get a set. Like, even his commercials, which are pre-recorded, you'll hear his commercials and he still sounds like just like he can barely get the sentences out. He just sounds like an old man. It's really kind of sad. I would feel bad if it weren't for the fact that he's literally just a Trojan horse for the radical left. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. it, it, that's, you know what? That's, that's a damn good way of putting it. Actually. I like that. 
we, we've got that piece too. Do you guys want to jump into that? Um, where's this here? Yeah. The, the Chinese organization with communist party ties funds black lives matter ventures. This is very, very interesting. This is, uh, from today from the federalist. It's called the black futures lab, a venture of black lives matter founder, Alicia Garza. You know, the woman that goes and hangs out with Maduro down in Venezuela, the beautiful <laughs> Caribbean destination right next to Colombia, um, is sponsored by the Chinese Progressive Association. Black Futures Lab is sponsored by Chinese Progressive Association, an organization that works with China's communist government to push its agenda in the United States. Gee, this sounds like so much fun. How exciting. Um, they discovered that Black Futures Lab donation page explicitly states that they are fiscally sponsored, a fiscally sponsored project of the Chinese Progressive Association, explaining where donations to Black Futures Lab are funneled. And apparently, looking at the page, you could do a, a single donation they've marked for yourself of just $1,000 or other amount. Very, very good. Gonzalez explains, um, that's the investigator from the Heritage Foundation, that the history of CPA in the United States um, activities group sponsor on behalf of the Chinese government, including one instance in which the People's Republic of China flag was flown over Boston City Hall to honor the takeover of China by the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> what the hell? Um, the CPA is routinely praised for its work in the U.S. to buy China's official mouthpiece, the China Daily. It is clear that the CPA works with, the China's, with China's communist government pushing its agenda here in the United States and is regularly praised by China's state-owned mouthpieces. It is clear, too, from this perspective, why the CPA would sponsor a new enterprise. They espouse the same world desire for world communism. Uh, Garza, the founder of Black Futures Lab, is also the founder of the openly Marxist global organization Black Lives Matter and the numerous domestic organizations, Movement for Black Lives. Um, you know, and they, they call themselves, you know, the trained Marxists. But, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Nobody? I mean, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was just gonna say, I think it's only been a matter of time until we just, something. I'm surprised it's frankly taken this long for something like this to come to light. Now, I, I really don't think that China has any actual belief that this movement is any more Marxist than they actually are, because I think it's basically an open secret that China is no more communist. It's more of like a nationalist, capitalist, almost fascist uh, government, given the fact that they're so. Uh, ethnically superior in terms of what they think of their own selves as Han Chinese versus Uyghur Muslims, and they're doing that ethnic cleansing over there. So yeah, that's I would say they're not even communist. But frankly, yeah, it's taken us this long to get Black Lives Matter connection with the Chinese Communist Party. I color me surprised. That's the only surprise I'm getting out of this. Well, and I I have long suspected this. Like. I didn't assume this was just completely a homegrown little group of people. It, it's it's not shocking or surprising, and you know, especially when you look at the donations in excess of fifty percent to Act Blue, which again, Black Lives Matter money goes to Act Blue. That the way that they're doing it, because if you're unemployed, they don't have to. If you don't have employment. There's no need to certify where that money came from. And being that in 2020, half of it, over half of it has come that way. Do you have any doubt that that money's coming from overseas? You're a fool if you think it's not. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there, um, wasn't there an ordeal back in 2008, if I recall correctly, about people using... Um, Paid prepaid like prepaid credit cards yeah. to go ahead and donate to the Obama campaign. Yep, another way of money laundering, and nobody ever really right. pursued that. Right, and it was a it wasn't a non negligible sum here. I mean, we're yeah. talking to the tune of several million dollars here. Yeah, right? 
Yeah. I mean, several, several millions. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, what what the hell? But I, I'm sure it just it cracks me up the the verbiage there. Yeah, the the state run media praises the state. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the CCP, uh, this is just free chicken, you know. I mean, they see a way of, oh, we can donate to this uh ex this radicalist movement within the United States. Like, absolutely. Why are we? What are we waiting for? They're throwing money hand at these. I'm sure they're throwing money hand over fist at the BLM movement just purely for accelerationist purposes. Like anything they can do to delegitimize the American government in the eyes of the state, in the eyes of the world, um, is for the betterment. It just makes it better for them. Well, it's it's economic warfare too. It really is. And people that don't realize the Chinese have been planning this for years upon years upon years. And seeing that so many members of our government, or former members of our government, I should say, from the great General Mattis that everybody loves to William Cohen to Joe Biden's uh, own family getting $1.5 billion infused from the Chinese Communist Party. This is a constant barrage against our country. And honestly... Trump called this stuff out years ago when many people didn't want to face up to it. You know, they were just like, oh, we could be partners with these people. But you've got even the, um, what do you call it, the the commerce, not um, Chamber of Commerce. They have worked very closely to help set up many factories over in China, you know? And uh, even helping to work with the Maquiadoras to bring some of the Chinese work just south of the border with us. It's right. It's complete under, undermining of our system. And honestly, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the wage growth we were seeing, this was because we were starting to bring manufacturing back to this country. And that does damage to that country. We were seeing the slowest growth in China before the Kamikov hit. I don't know. Did, did you guys see the, the thing that was on uh, Tucker Carlson's show last night at all? About the color revolutions? No, that that's good. But that's something, man, not a cheap guy and I have been talking about that um, because I, I've posted a lot to the telegram but no they had a whistleblower from a woman from hong kong i don't know a hundred percent the 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 veracity of everything she said but i posted the video um into the the chat as well because <laughs> i can't imagine that that video tucker had on last night and, and seriously this is where we're getting into that territory because this woman dr lee mang yan who's been banned from twitter was on tucker last night and she talks about the possible origins of COVID and is talking about things that we heard very early on, the things that got Zero Hedge banned from um, Twitter back then, talking about the possible uh, manipulation of this virus and the fact that there are specific um, traces of it that wouldn't be possible in every virologist looking at it Basically, they're, they're, what I saw and what Zero Hedge highlighted back then was how this appeared to be specifically manipulated and evolved something in the realm of four to 500 years in a very short time. And this Chinese woman was on Tucker last night talking about it. This was posted last night to our Telegram. It opened up the whole thing on, on Tucker's last night. And honestly, with the way that the information was disseminated from China in conjunction with the World Health Organization, it was disinformation. Oh, and not to mention the fact that the Wuhan Virology Lab was right down the road from the origins of the disease. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, the... <sighs> Most kids don't snitch on themselves when they steal cookies. You know what I mean? So, of course, China isn't going to really cop to their involvement there because, like most things in China, you're not doing much without state supervision. 
you know, let alone running a virology lab and, and doing biomedical or even bioweaponeering without state supervision, funding, and incredible oversight on their part. Whether that you can't convince me that something like that is just going to willy nilly make itself out of a lab without somebody knowing about it or it being deliberately done. Or you had a human trial run um, rampant or something like that. I don't know. I hate to invoke some sort of strange resident evil T virus clause here, but. Sorry. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely. I don't doubt what's being said here, but it's also one of those territories that I need more proof. I need more proof of this, but I don't doubt it. You know, it, it, it just seems to back up things that we, we might expect to see come from those people. They're going to, their ideas of warfare go back millennia and they're very well trained in this. And <laughs> I don't want to say too much more. Yeah, it's just speculation on my part. Um, I, I I have a bunch of notes that I made from this uh, back in the early days of the COVID, and I say that like it was such a long time ago, but it feels that way pretty often. Um, there are a few academic papers. Um, the Australians did a pretty good one on it with regards towards uh, vectoring, um, basically how the virus is transmitted and all of that. I'll have to pull up and reread again. But, well, they did yeah, stuff, and, then, and, and uh, India did some work as well. Um, some interesting genetic markers as it ties together with HIV. Because the question really right. comes down to is it starts out rather innocuous, you know, but then with specific people who already have um, lowered immune systems, um, insulin resistance, how it inflames and attacks the organs in the body at that point. You know, they're obviously, the majority of people are already, there's there's some kind of a health problem. And it's almost as if it, it, it identifies that and just attacks. It's just, it's it's crazy stuff, man. Well, if you think about it, it's perfect for overweight Americans because the comorbidity rate amongst fatalities is something like 2.6%. So... All that means is, like, according to that CDC data showing that... Oh, no, you know, dude, it's not 2.6%. Or... Dude, I mean, it's like that they have 2.6 no. uh, comorbidities right, on I'm... average. Right, that's what I'm saying here. Okay, so what that really means, 2.6 comorbidities. They have two to three, on average, major health issues. Yeah. So that could be a thyroid issue. That could be hypertension. That could be obesity. That could be cardiovascular issues. That could also be diabetes, um, you know, heart, heart disease, diabetes, all this other stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's that the numbers are heavily skewed. So, I mean, if you wanted to knock off some fat Americans, how oh, that's your disease of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we'll be honest about it. Safe to say McDonald's is not behind COVID-19. We can scratch that one off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 dude. They've got to uh McDonald's is behind making sure that transgender women are protected. Uh, their, their Twitter let us know that. What is crazy about that particular ad campaign is that uh I remember I believe if you actually dig into the statistics like something like there's only maybe eight or nine or maybe some number in the low single digits that yeah. was of actual black transgenders yeah. that were killed in the last yeah. year. Yeah. And it was all by mostly acquaintances. Well, it was, it was, it was acquaintances it was, as well as, you know, with uh, prostitutes. Yeah. So who exactly are you talking to at McDonald's when you're making this ad? Because, I mean, the implication is clearly that it's towards – non-black non-trans people uh so i don't know who so you what do you who would which demographic are you trying to tell not to kill black trans lives well but it's just it goes know. to show people's ignorance too of statistics you can manipulate statistics so much that if you create the narrative that's more important than the actual numbers behind the scenes Arterial blocking from eating McDonald's all the time probably kills more black trans lives than actual murderers every year. But all right, whatever, whatever you say, Ronald McDonald. 
<laughs> but we did see that uh it is a clown world these days so yes and, it's, we, and we, it's his universe we're just playing in it and we did see where burger king and uh ronald um got together on that new burger king uh ad campaign they ran with the two of them kissing did you guys see that? Because that's what I want to yeah. think about. Oh, yeah. That's what I want to think about, though. Whenever I'm eating some greasy, artery-clogging food, I want to think about a clown and a king tongue-fucking one another. Hell, yeah. It's, uh... Stone Talk Jesus. called it. <laughs> yeah. Like <a> cartoonist. Yeah. <laughs> what does this have to do with burgers? 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 <laughs> <laughs> right? Dude, yeah. Stone Toss and Made by Jim Bob are two of the most amazing um, cartoonists out there at times. They don't miss. They don't miss. Or don't miss often, uh, at least. Although, uh, I know Lucky and I had it out with uh, Jim Bob one day a bit, but we just decided to bail because it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're not always going to agree, and that's fine. I don't think all of us are always going to agree. I know for years, Lucky and I didn't <laughs> about just about yep. everything. Just about everything, yeah. You know, if, I would if I'd I could, be mortified if people agreed with me all the time. I really would. I say that regularly and often, dude, because I have some loco ideas, all right? I, I, I won't argue that. <laughs> if I could um, uh, step in one second. just So I found a tweet the other day, and it kind of ties a lot together with what we've been discussing about uh, global interests. I mean, the American Chamber of Commerce selling out our uh, business interests, uh, Kenosha riots and everything. And it's by this dude named Bronze Age Pervert. And he's pretty interesting <laughs> character on Twitter. It's by what? <laughs> What's Bron- his name? His Bronze Age Pervert. Dude <laughs> wow. has a book out. Uh, Cernovich actually reviewed his book, which is called Bronze Age Mindset. And uh, he said it's the most interesting political discourse of our time. So Cernovich has got a stamp of approval. This guy's basically like a kind of just this interesting dude with a lot of like takes, but he said an emergency citizens council could be formed in Minneapolis and Portland to mirror and replace a delegitimized city government. Local groups like churches and small business associations can set up a location to get support by certain city institutions, police, union, fire, etc. The main purpose of this could be to form an official institution representing the vital sectors of the cities, which could then formally call for federal intervention. It would give Trump more legitimacy to end the insurrection. I don't know why we haven't tried this yet. And something like that. And then he follows that with uh, the complaints about the mega corporations profiting from this crisis while small businesses are getting destroyed. True, but why haven't small businesses done anything? By now, they could have formed a national umbrella or lobby of small businesses against the lockdowns who could be a very powerful too so i think that's a pretty interesting point uh that like this if a national small business association or some such thing like that were to speak up of hey we're the kenosha association of chamber kenosha chamber of you know small businesses and we are officially asking for federal aid or that we're the portland coffee shop owners we're going to circumvent ted wheeler and his uh, limp-wristed governance, and we're officially asking for help. That would be a more legitimate thing than just Trump coming in and uh, pushing uh, federal troops, which obviously we've seen pushback against. He yeah. tried, and then Wheeler, of course, did his best to kick them out. And but- luckily, they've been fighting against it with uh, federalizing the state troopers. That is an interesting point of view that they could use to uh, to fight back from the ground level up. So if anyone's listening from that part of the country, give it a look. I'll post a tweet on our Telegram. So a couple of things there with the federal stuff. I mean, largely he hasn't moved on a lot of that. It's only been to protect federal types of things. And it's mm-hmm. been overblown as well. You know, yep. when FBI agents went to Seattle, they were not going there as federal troops. They were going there in support of the local um, organizations in Portland, they protected the courthouse. Um, and then in Kenosha, it was after people, when people tried to set arson to a gas station, and then the people that tried to stop it was how that entire thing with Kyle Rittenhouse started. And it wasn't until the Kyle Rittenhouse was confronted by people 
a child molester, a wife beater, a burglar, all felons. When those people were actually hit with Kyle Rittenhouse's gun, that wasn't when the the governor finally responded and said this. I agree with you. I think what you're saying is true. But I think the the idea that Trump has sent in these federal troops is grotesquely exaggerated as to what actually occurred. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I was stating that like uh, just talking out of my ass. But yeah, you totally are. It was just to protect the courthouse. Let me preface, should have prefaced by saying that. Yeah, because actually I know a guy that was there at the courthouse. And just it was interesting kind of behind the scenes. He was telling me some of the things some of the times. Of course. (laughs) Of course. course. But I do think that it's interesting. I do think that the idea that people can organize themselves, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know what authority they're going to be able to act with in order to make these things occur. But I think I'd love to see it be tried. You know, but I think um, we're in dangerous times. And I think, as you pointed out, the when Darren Beatty was on Tucker Carlson last night, because it's something I've talked about with you, Lucky. I've talked about it many times on the podcast, is we do have a color revolution going on in this country. And people don't realize it. And how do I want to say this without sounding too hyperbolic? People need to realize, and I hope that by looking at everything that's occurred from May this year with the George Floyd incident to now should demonstrate for you that our country is in a precarious balance. I've used that word twice today, so apologies for overuse of that. But I think precarious is very apt for what's going on here. We we are not as safe as many people would like to see and like to think. It's a much more dangerous country. It's a much more dangerous world. We've been protected in a lot of ways from this. And it's people inside of our government as well as people who have operated in previous administrations, such as that guy, Norm. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he was the... um, the hatchet man that Tucker was talking about. Yeah, Norm Eisen. He yeah. was the ethics czar. <laughs> I have to laugh. This guy was the ethics czar in Obama's administration, and he has been responsible for, through the Brookings Institution, designing color revolutions. He's worked very closely with people who have testified against Trump. He has filed repeated lawsuits against Trump. And now he is working with many numerous organizations. He he operates via color revolution as well as lawfare, which are two very dissimilar concepts initially. But by bringing those two together and being the architect of these things, it's a crazy world. Ooh. And I don't know what's going to happen, man. <laughs> pretty insidious when you really get down to the brass tacks of it and it sort of makes sense though because a lot of um critical theory itself particularly uh, critical race theory hinges itself upon academic law Uh, and so where that intersection meets if you're organizing a a color revolution via cultural shift and change which is what crt makes no mincing of words about or social race theory any any variant of critical theory though but particularly the ones that deal with race are deal with a lot of tort law and academic concerns so if you're going to do that it would make perfect sense to couple that with lawfare especially as you have so many government agencies well practically all of them at this point even right now to your lance corporal sitting around through a powerpoint list about racial sensitivity (laughs) um you know, it, it's it makes people more susceptible to these ideas. Yeah, no, you're tr- you're right. You you're absolutely accept, right. I, I guess you know when, when I was saying that it's abstractly at first it doesn't make sense, but however, exactly as you've you you've said, it makes complete sense too because right. it's it's the complete the complete destruction of the framework of our society by destroying the framework of our society it allows it to be more susceptible for the law to come in and rewrite that so that like you're saying that the law 
is then rewritten in those moments in order to destroy society. Right. And if you accept the analogy of comparing the human mind to a computer, then this is essentially a virus that has permeated. You start at the individual computers. You start with that. Nobody sets up botnets in mass. You start with one. Right. And that, and that eventually, um, you know, becomes something that progresses exponentially. And so now that this is so normalized among society, even in the corporate world within federal government and all of that, um, it's easier to get people to be more receptive of essentially Marxist thinking. Because at its core, that's what most critical theory is. Well, practically all of it, now that I think about it. But yeah, that's what you're dealing with. It's literally a mind virus. That's what it is. Well, right on. So we've gone over an hour here. So I think unless is there anything that either of you would like to add before we close things out? I'm good. I got nothing, man. I, I'm just I'm sitting over here. Uh, I think one of these elderly people around because that's basically like the mean average of where I live. Everybody's like 55, 60 years old. So anytime I hear police sirens or an ambulance, it's like somebody died. So dogs were howling. If you guys could hear that in the background, I uh, couldn't hear it. About that. No, I couldn't hear it at oh, all. Well, then, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Well, yeah, I got nothing. Be good to one another. Don't buy the bullshit. Listen to PBF Public Radio. PBF Public Radio. Yeah, it's funny. There's a guy, uh, Justin. He's a a former um, Marine who's been uh, published uh, for his poetry, in fact. But he's a big fan of the podcast and. He and I were actually chatting one day, and that's how the PBF Public Radio came out. I did hear the dogs there. Maybe I just didn't yeah. notice it before. But, <laughs> however, um, this is PBF Public Radio. This is Romeo 1 Oscar, and we are out. Mm-hmm.